The Bible tells the story of ten men in Luke chapter 17 who once lived healthy, happy lives. Uh, they were probably just normal guys, just men who probably had a family, probably had a wife and perhaps kids, and you know, like normal men, they just want to do the best to support the family. But that was before life changed, before the illness began to eat away at their body. That was before the numbness had stolen strength from their limbs and, and feeling from their fingers. That was before their faces had grown disfigured. That was before the color of their skin began to change. That was before their families said goodbye and they had to walk away from home. Now, they are the walking dead. They have no real place to live. They have nothing on a daily basis to eat. All they can eat is what they beg for. They have no way of doing anything else except going from village to village on the outskirts of town, begging and hoping somebody will provide for them. One day, as they're on the outskirts of yet another village, seeking help from strangers, seeking anything to help them have something to eat. One day, as they're out there on the outskirts of the village to beg, they happened to come in contact with a man named Jesus. And their story is told in Luke chapter 17. Let's read what happened, beginning in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village... Ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, the last five words of verse 12 are important because they encapsulate everything that these men had experienced. The last five words of verse 12 said, they stood at a distance. We see in this story ten men who had been shunned by society. They have contracted the most dreaded disease of their day. They have leprosy. To become a leper in that day was to lose all hope of ever having a happy, normal life again. To, to have leprosy is to lose all hope of ever having a time with your family any longer. Let me tell you a little bit about leprosy, looking at it from three different angles before we get into the story. I want you to notice or tell you about the physical ramifications of, of leprosy to begin with. The physical ramifications of leprosy are awful. I did some research and found out that leprosy is caused by a bacteria that reprograms the body on a cellular level. And it often results in a grotesque damage to the body. And some of the common signs of leprosy are as follows. Pigment changes in the skin. Disfiguring skin sores that usually don't heal for months, nerve damage, destruction of bone and cartilage, sometimes the loss of fingers or toes, lumps under the skin, and blindness. The physical ramifications of leprosy are just awful to consider. But that's not the only thing they had to deal with. Add to that the emotional pain of leprosy. Lepers were cut off from people. They were separated. At the very first sign of the disease, a leper was quarantined outside the city. 
the very first sign of the disease, the leper was moved away from his family and moved away from the community. Lepers were isolated from the rest of society, much like Ebola patients are today. A leper would never again feel the embrace of his wife. He would never again get to play with his children. He would never again get to hold the hand of his grandchild. It was just too risky. He was a leper. In fact, today, you have probably touched more people just this morning than a leper would touch in the rest of his life. You shook hands with lots of people today. Maybe you had a hug or two as you came into the door, patted somebody on the back. You touched more people this morning, likely, than a leper would touch for the rest of his life. The physical ramifications of leprosy uh, and the emotional pain of leprosy was just so hard to deal with. Lepers were required by law to announce from a distance that they were unclean. The Mosaic law required them that when someone was walking towards them, because that person who may be at a distance cannot yet see the, the physical problems of leprosy, they were to announce, unclean! Unclean! So that that person would stop and wouldn't come any closer. It was always a physical barrier. A physical barrier between you and the rest of the world. A physical barrier that the only person who would cross that barrier were other lepers. Other lepers just like you. And they are the ones who huddled together in this story. There were ten of them. There's one more thing you should know about leprosy, and that's the psychological trauma of being a leper. Beth Moore mentions this in, in her book, Jesus, the One and Only. She said that she had an occasion to travel to another part of the world and to minister at a leper colony, a modern-day leper colony. Uh, she felt compelled to minister to those who were suffering so much, and so she went to that leper colony, but she said when she got there, she could not bring herself to go inside. In fact, Beth said that she went by that door three times, trying to convince herself to go inside. But she could not do it. She said, I could not overcome the inner resistance that I was feeling. I could not argue down, listen to this, she said, I could not argue down the overpowering smell of decay. And she walked away. These ten lepers had to live, live with that all the time. These ten lepers had to live with the overpowering smell of decay in their nostrils. And the psychological aspect of living with that smell in your nostrils, the psychological aspect of having a distance between you and the rest of society was overwhelming. Then, one remarkable day, all of that changed. One remarkable day, everything changed. Let's pick up the story beginning in verse 12. As he was going, as Jesus was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. These ten men shouted at a distance, basically this, Jesus, don't be like all the other religious leaders and turn away from us. Have pity on us. Please, do something. And that's exactly what Jesus did. But he did what you and I would not expect him to do. He didn't say, come here a minute. He didn't reach out and touch them. He didn't say, go wash in the river. 
Jesus said this to those ten lepers. Look at the next verse. When he saw them, verse 14, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. Now, now why the priest? Because the priests in that day were more than just religious leaders on the Sabbath day. The priests in that day were the religious leaders of the entire community, and they were also served kind of like a health inspector. If somebody was unclean from the Mosaic Law standpoint, they had to go to the priest, and he would look at them and declare whether they were clean or unclean, whether they were healed or not healed, whether they could go back into the village or they had to continue to stay outside the village. It was the decision of the priest to determine if that person was indeed now cured and clean and able to re-enter society. And so Jesus said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go show yourself to the priests. Now, I want you to understand something. When they looked at each other, nothing had changed. When they looked at him, looked at one another, why would we go show ourselves to the priest? My toes are still missing. My skin is still discolored. My face is still disfigured. Why would I go show myself to the priest? But apparently they knew at least enough about Jesus to know that they should try and do what He said. And they perhaps heard enough about Jesus to know that God works mighty miracles through Him. So they trusted in Jesus' command and they set off to go find the priest. Still looking like, smelling like, lepers. May I pause here to ask you a personal question. May I push the pause button and ask you this. Is your faith strong enough to act on what Jesus says even before it happens? If you wait until your problems are over to start walking in faith, you will likely miss the power of God in your life. God calls us to trust Him before anything changes. God calls us to trust Him. Before anything changes. He asked basically, will you trust me with this disease? Will you trust me despite of the lack of resources? Will you trust me that I will do what's best even though the evidence defies that conclusion? You know what Jesus is looking for today in your life? He's not looking for you to fake it until you make it. He's looking to see if you'll trust Him beyond what you can see. Will you trust Him beyond what you can see. Now, back to the story. This pitiful band of lepers are limping their way to the priest in faithful obedience to the Lord's command. And the Bible says in the second half of verse 14, and as they went, they were what? They were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Or they were healed. Now, we're not told who noticed first. But all at once, something felt different. All at once, something felt strong. I I can imagine as they're walking towards the priest, all of a sudden, one of them stops and says, Hey! Look! I got all of them! Look! The hair is not white anymore, it's brown. 
And one starts looking at another and, and he starts noticing something different in that one and he starts noticing that that one's different. Remember, they didn't have mirrors to say, let me see what I look like. They didn't have mirrors, so they're looking at one another, probably talking to one another. Say, look at that, your face, your face looks good now. And they're celebrating, all of a sudden, this massive sudden healing. I don't know how long that it took for that to happen, but I believe probably laughter broke out in a matter of seconds. Probably rejoicing broke out almost immediately. And I'm sure if it was me, in my mind, I would be calculating what all of this meant. You know what it meant? It meant I'd get to go home to be with my family. It meant I don't have to live outside the villages anymore. I can go to my house. It meant that I don't have to beg anymore. I can go get a job. It meant that I'm going to go home and hug my wife. I'm going to hold my kids. It meant I can go back and be a normal person. And so they take off running. And probably, I'm guessing, tears coming down their cheeks. And, and their, their white cheeks. Their healed faces. And, and they're running towards the priest. And, and they're happy and they're celebrating. And they're running towards the priest. Except for one guy. He stops. He stops and he looks back. And he perhaps sees these guys running towards the village and running towards the priest. And he looks back. And he sees Jesus standing there. And he turns and he takes off running. And he runs to Jesus. And the Bible says, And he fell at his feet. And he thanked him. Pick up the story in verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, Praising God in a loud voice. There were no silent Baptists that day. He was praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Remember that word. This foreigner? It's another word for Samaritan. It's, it's a word that describes what a Samaritan is. He is a foreigner to the covenant of God. He is a, an outcast. He, he, he is separate from the faith. He's not part of the Jewish faith. He is a foreigner to the promises of the faith. Remember that. Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, the Bible says that the one man who came back was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner, an outsider to the Jewish faith. He's the one that ran to Jesus' feet, and he did what they all should have done. He ran to Jesus, and he fell at his feet, and he said two words, Thank you. The one who knew the least about Jesus returned to thank him. It is implied that the other nine were Jews. And the one who knew the least about Jesus thanked him. And then Jesus asked the obvious question in verse 17, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Now, everybody, if you, please just look this way for a moment. There's something in this story I want to make sure you get. This story is a reminder that there is something ugly in our hearts. You see, we all have a tendency. The tendency is in all of us to enjoy the gift without worshiping the giver of that gift. 
That tendency is in all of us. To celebrate and enjoy how life is better without pausing to stop and thank the one who made it better. There was one unnamed leper who stopped to notice his blessings and he returned to say thanks to the blesser. Before he celebrates with anyone else, he returns to offer the only thing he could. The only thing that he had that he could give Jesus that day, he gave his heartfelt gratitude. He had nothing else to offer him. But the one thing he could give Jesus, he did give Jesus. His heartfelt gratitude. Verse 15 and 16 tell us that he returned with a loud voice, giving glory to God. Uh, He had spent years probably crying out, shouting in desperation, and now he shouts in appreciation. I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you stopped? When was the last time you stopped what you were doing to thank God for what He's been doing in your life? When was the last time you looked at the blessings in your life and intentionally went back to thank the blesser? When was the last time you you let the others do whatever they're going to do, but you got alone, just you and Jesus, and you thanked Him? You thanked Him for the difference He made in your life. You know, Psalm 103 verse 2 talks about this. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Now there are two words in this story, actually three words in this story that I want to make sure that you get before we leave. Uh, The first two words are used in this story to describe what happened to all the lepers, all ten of them. The first two words that I want you to see, the first one is found in verse 15, it's the word healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. That word healed is a word that, that uh, applies to all ten. They were all healed. It's a medical term that means mended, whole, or cured. All ten of the lepers were mended. They were made whole. They were cured. Then in verse 17, there's another word used, another medical term. In verse 17 it says, Jesus asked, were not all ten Cleansed uses a different word. The word cleansed is another medical term, but it spoke of the social dimension of the healing. It meant that they were free from the stigma of of leprosy. It meant that they were ceremonially clean. They were totally cured. They were so cured that now they could go back into society. They were clean again. But then there's one more word that Jesus used. And he used it exclusively for this thankful man, this Samaritan, this foreigner, this outsider. That word is found in verse 19. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Used a totally different word. The word well is not just a medical word, though it is a medical word. But in the Greek New Testament, it's the word sozo. S-O-Z-O, and it means saved or rescued from danger. You see, all ten were healed from leprosy, but it seems to imply that this one man, this thankful man who came back, experienced more than just the physical healing from leprosy. 
But this man experienced salvation. He was twice blessed. He experienced salvation in addition to the physical healing. Which brings me to a question that I want to ask all of us today. Why is this story in the Gospel of Luke? By the way, Luke is the only one who records this story. Matthew did not, Mark did not, nor did John. Why is this story in the Gospel of Luke? Could it be that this is not just a story about ten lepers? Could it be that this is a story about all of us? You see, before Jesus came into your life, if you're a Christian, before Jesus came into your life, you were in a condition that was beyond personal repair. Before Jesus came into your life, you had no hope. You were destined to live life separated from God. Before Jesus came into your life, you were a leper. You were unclean before a holy God. In fact, if you'd like to mark in your Bible, in the column beside Luke 17, you might want to write down this reference. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It's a good cross-reference. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Put that cross-reference in the column of your Bible beside Luke 17. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Once you write that in, turn to that passage. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, here's what we read. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel. Notice that. Excluded from citizenship. And what's that next word? And foreigners to the covenants of the promise. And look at this description. Without hope and without God in the world. Hello, leper. That's what we all were. You see, these ten are just a picture of all of us. What they experienced... Physically, we experience spiritually. They were separate from society like we are separate from God. They are unclean like we are unclean before holy God. They had no hope of ever doing anything to make their situation better. There was no way they could do any kind of personal improvement. They were beyond human resolution. They were beyond human repair They had a disease they could not fix. They had a disease they could not be healed from. Until Jesus met them one day, and He made all the difference in their life. And so we go from verse 12 to verse 13. Because in verse 13, it talks about what Jesus has done for us. It says in the end of verse 12, we're without hope, without God in the world. Verse 13, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You who once were foreigners, separated, leprous in your sin, no hope of ever improving your situation, no hope of ever getting better, no hope of ever, ever, having a relationship with God. 
You've been brought near. You've been cleansed. You've been saved. You've been made clean. In fact, the Bible says, just as if you've never sinned. In fact, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You were leprous in your sin, but because of your faith in Christ, you became a new creature. Through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, He brought healing into our lives. So how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? Here's how you respond. You either take it for granted and keep on going, or you deliberately stop And you go back to Jesus and you say, thank you. Thank you. You did for me what I could never do for myself. You did for me what was humanly impossible. You did for me what no other person could ever do. And you did it at the price of the cross. Thank you for healing me from my sinful disease. Thank you. Which of the lepers are you most like? Are you most like the nine who are so focused on how good life is that you forget to thank the one who made it good? Or are you like the one who decides to stop? Stop from the busyness of life and go back and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. I read this week that an old pastor used to pray this prayer. Listen to this prayer. He said, Lord, don't let me ever forget that my first step away from you is the failure to be grateful. Man, that's a great statement. Lord, don't ever let me forget that my first step away from you is the failure to be grateful. How grateful are you? I I don't mean, well, yeah, boy, Jesus has been good to me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. Have you been so moved by God's goodness that it caused you to stop? And on your knees before Jesus, just say two powerful words. Thank you. That's all I can say. That's all I got. That's all I am. Just thank you. I'm going to ask you today. I'm going to ask you today. Perhaps to come to this altar. And just get on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving a leper like me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself. Thank you. Let's pray. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near 
through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. I can't think of a better day for you if you don't know Christ. For you to come than today. I can't think of a better time or a better place than right here, right now. To accept the free gift of salvation. To accept the healing only He can provide. He can do for you what nobody else could ever do. And what you cannot do for yourself. The power of sin is too great for you to overcome. Just like the power of leprosy was too great for them to overcome. But Jesus Christ, through His death on the cross and His resurrection, offers you the opportunity to experience wholeness. To be clean before a holy God. Today you can come to accept Christ as your Savior by faith, receiving the free gift that He offers. Others of you all over this audience perhaps want to come before God. Not for show. Not because Pastor Keith is asking me to do this. Not because it's expected. But there's something deep in your heart that is stirring you. It's gratitude. If there is a sense of genuine gratitude. Whether there at your pew or here at this altar. I hope you will say thank you. Jesus. Thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Thank you for doing for us what was humanly impossible to do. Thank you that you have made us well through your cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.